One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, biography through music, we call it. We get to know our guests with the help of some of the songs that have become almost like milestones in their lives and their life stories. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest this week is Tim Morrison. Tim's our new development director here at WGCU. That means he and his team work to raise the money that makes everything that we do here possible. He's a lifelong musician and singer, but he says he still took the safe path and made sure to go to college. A journalism degree later and a move to New York City led him to a unique career and life that wound up in anti-counterfeiting in the fashion world. We'll be sure to talk about that. Deaths in the family led to a move to Naples in 2005 and a return to music. His self-written, performed, engineered, produced, promoted laptop album ended up with his song Wait being featured on All Songs Considered Second Stage and an interview on Gulf Coast Live Arts Edition back before it was Gulf Coast Life. Needing to take the safe path again, Tim ended up working at the Naples Zoo, focusing on membership, and then later at the Holocaust Museum and Cohen Education Center in Naples. And after a prolonged and determined journey, Tim says he's finally wound up right where he belongs, right here in public media at WGCU. Hello, Tim. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for doing this. Welcome to WGCU again, more formally this time. Exactly. Yeah, now getting... I'm on the payroll. Um, so, you know, your bio says you're a lifelong musician and singer. Um, surely you were inspired by your namesake, Jim Morrison, right? Yes. There are many a business call be made. And you're like, you know, are you related to Jim Morrison? Actually, yes. That's my father's name and his father. And I'm <laughs> Is t- your father James. really Jim Morrison? Yeah. yeah. So I think my grandfather got pranked after Jim Morrison died. You know, your son's dead. And you're like, what? So That's hilarious. You must have heard that a lot, especially growing up, I would think. Yes. Yes. And my daughter's name, Price Morrison, so she's got gets the prices right, which her mother did before that. So it's, yeah, we're we're full of full of it. Um, okay, so uh, have you listened to music so far today? Yes. What started out with KEXP, which is in a pledge drive because I am one of those public media nerds. Where is that? that? Where that is Seattle? Seattle. So they have they're doing their overnight show, but that's my morning show. So it's kind of a global. Did you app live in show. Seattle? No, no. I would just tune in radio. Would say you like XPN. We think you might also like KUT. You oh. also might like KEXP. So you surf the other public radio stations. Yes. I've got – there's DJs that you love. There's shows that you love. And you listen to always find that one to two songs a week where you go, what was that? But then there's what I call homework radio where they'll they'll hit one song and you'll be like, oh, no. Now it's going to be Joy Division. And then it's got to be oh, Jesus Jones. And then it's got to be you know just this run they'll do. Like, ah. And I know that people are just – Loving and writing into the DJs to play all these songs, but I'll then switch over. So I went to a playlist, and there was a Sinead O'Connor song I wanted to hear this morning. So I put that up, and then the Harry Styles song that we were talking about before airing came on, and I thought, oh, I'm going to give myself in a good mood. And there's this shout that he does right before the last chorus, and it totally brightened my day for about five seconds. Can you give us a little bit of the shout? Back up a Let's little see. bit. Let's see. Dun, 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 dun. Oh! All right, all right. That's that's not our loudest shout, believe no, I, it or not. It can get louder. <laughs> I did not know that my neighbor under us, um, when my daughter was here during COVID, I didn't know that she could hear everything. And we'd be screaming at the top of our lungs to a uh, new Fiona Apple album and a few others, just shouting and screaming. And there's a Bonnie Iver, whoo, that just, <laughs> as loud as you can, it it blows the carbon out Your of Your neighbors me. must love you. She's, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm board president, so I get to do whatever I want. Understood. Yeah. So um, where did you grow up, and how would you characterize the musical scene or background of your childhood? Born in upstate New York, around born in Oswego. My family moved downstate to around Poughkeepsie, actually Newburgh, New York. And uh, it was just the four of us. My brother came along soon after. It was around 74, 75. And um, my parents are only 20 and 19 years older than me, so it was basically fun family household. Right. I had many memories sitting on the floor in the living room in front of the speaker, listening to Yes, Elton John, Pat McGrath, Carly Simon, just the, just give all, you know, name all your legacy acts from the 70s. And that would be what we'd be listening to, just nonstop the Beatles. I think my mother had said it was, before I could walk, I would pull myself up onto the side table and do a little funky t- chicken kind of dance. <laughs> Were you a singer uh, at a young age? Yes. My dad had a reel-to-reel. So he would record me doing stuff. I think the first song I wrote, it was like a GCD song. It was Winter's... Winter's coming, the leaves are falling. <laughs> I can't remember it now. But uh, yes, I wrote, started writing. My father was a musician. Oh. And so there was always a bass around, and my aunt got me an acoustic guitar. What, was acoustic guitar your first instrument? It's the only, yeah. That it, one. it is your instrument. Yeah, and I switched to bass because guitar got hard to learn all the tricks. Right. Like in The Owner of a Lonely Heart, the bridge part. Like, well, I can't figure that out. But I can play bass. If I played bad guitar on bass... I learned it when I got to college. Everyone thought I was a great bass player, but I was just a crappy guitar player. Right. <laughs> like, look, I can tap three, you know, three notes on a bass. Like, holy cow! Righty uh, or a lefty? Righty. Although I'm, okay. I write horribly with my left hand, but everything else is pretty much with the right. Cool. Huh. I play pool with uh, as a left hander and shoot a rifle as a left hander. I can do but either I, or. But I play golf as a right hander and write as a right hander. It means we're more prone to schizophrenia. There, there you go. What? 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 Who? <laughs> Um, who was the first band or what was the first band or musician that really became something you were, you were into that maybe wasn't directly a result of what you had been exposed to by your folks? Uh, I got into you – know, we um, had listened to – hold on. I'm thinking of remembering. So my mother got a job at Group W Cable doing sales, but we got cable right in the sweet spot of the – like first year of when MTV. you had jealous friends, it, exactly. Not everybody so had cable and two hundred and fifty year old farmhouse with no doors. In the winter, you could actually feel wind coming through the walls, which I think were insulated with hay or just tears. I'm not sure, <laughs> but um, but I could be downstairs holding my dad's bass, wearing like the feathers with the roach clips, but I didn't know what they were for really. You know, listening, playing along to Photograph by Def Leppard, like that was that era of just the start of hair metal, hmm. and um. Then I got into a weird with my high school buddies into a jazz fusion thing, and then realized I can't play any of this. Not, and, that, not good enough. And there are just the the practice that it would take. Right. So I know how to play drums, bass, sax, guitar, keys, sing, whatever. Because I would just get it would get too hard to play at a higher level, and I would just switch over. Gotcha. So you have a shallow knowledge of many instruments. I played violin for three <laughs> seconds, and went, that's too hard. Now I can't do that. Do you remember the first music you owned? I think it was a KTEL, like that's what I call music, but back in the day, and it had Where the Kids in America with by Kim Wilde on it. KTEL being one of those like TV things or magazine yeah. things, is that what it was? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, like kind of like a, now that's what I call music that you know happened in the 2000s. It was one of those like the hits. Right, right, right. And it was a cassette. And then, uh, do you have any musical memories associated with grandparents? Uh, my grandfather always talk about. 
the Harbor Lights or some other song. I never really got it, but not really. No, I know my grandmother, my mother's parents, they liked, um, my mother will kill me. I can't remember the name of the, Frankie Carl, that was it. Frankie some, Carl. Some jazz piano, but I don't think I ever heard the music. I just heard the guy's name. And then my grandmother had, you know, show tunes and kind of Borscht Belt stuff. But a lot of it was just, it was always music on. That was the thing that, it's weird to go into a house and there's, it's just silent. Like there should always be music on. You say you have a younger brother? Yeah. Did you influence him musically? Um, we would listen to the same, just because we were such a tight little family, just the four of us downstate, and you know, it wasn't a lot of extra money, so we weren't going off to Disney. We would just sit in the living room, and I remember sitting on the radiator, singing into the end of the the pole for the shades, <laughs> and there's snow. It was the Beatles, the Beatles, the double, the blue album, it was all the hits. That was my, that was like, I took that in as my own. Um, if you could, we're going to get to your first song, but last question. If you could learn an instrument and be super proficient magically, which would it be? Cello. Cello? It's the closest to the human voice. Like you can hit, I'm back to that schizophrenia crack, but if, if it's certain notes hit or certain chords, I can just start tearing up like a mental patient. Hmm. Like I said to my daughter during pandemic, like we'd sit on the couch, like I watch this and I'd put something on and it would just, I look catatonic because I'm not crying, but it just tears are rolling out. Wow. That's great. Is, is cello along, among the list of things that you have shallow knowledge of or did you ever I, even try, t- my touch a sh- cello? guitar player from college into this New York City was um, worked at Sam Ash. So I'd get off work and then just be that guy in the back just badly playing stand-up or trying to play cello. But I knew the practice that it would take. I'm like, no, no. But I had a, so had a fretless it, so bass. So it is on the list. <laughs> yeah, I had a fretless bass that I jacked up the action. So I would play like Flea, just slapping the heck out of this fretless. But when I really needed to, I could just switch over to this really low moaning cello sound. Wow. Well, let's do your first song. Yeah, let's do it. Well, owner of a lonely heart. Much better than a... Uh, what's the story or you want to listen to it? I, um, I'll, actually, I'll give a story. So as I said, yes was part of my formative years. I think I, had, I remember a little kid dance that I would do. At some breakdown, I would fall to the ground, which I was tiny, so it wasn't painful. But it was my dad's band. You know, it was our, it was the, my parents' band. And then in 83, that, not 90210, what is it? 90215. 90125. There it is. Which I had to look at like three times. I'm like, that's the name of it? But it is. Yeah, 90125. I remember so sitting in the backseat of the Plymouth Sapporo and that song coming on. And it had that kind of Art of Noise kind of choppy, which Trevor Horn produced. He was in Art of Noise as well. And like, what is this? And then you hear John Anderson's voice and you know exactly what it is. But that whole song was just, it'd be when that guitar breakdown, I guess it's kind of the bridge kicks in. I remember pulling myself up from the back seat in the car, just begging my father to turn it up, which I didn't really have to beg because he was going to turn it up anyway because it was yes. And he was, what, 32 at the time, 33. So he was still a young man, a big music fan, had been playing in bands. But it just changed my life. And I remember picking up my acoustic, couldn't figure it out, and thought, nah, I'll switch to bass. Because of this song? Yeah, pretty much that was it. this song and some jazz fusion stuff. I'm like, you know what? It's it's too hard to learn how to play really well. What kind of, you said what kind of car was it? Plymouth Sapporo. Mitsubishi and Plymouth did a mix. They did a hybrid car. Dodge Challenger, I think that was it. Yeah, it's a, if you're really bored, look it up on the internet because they're pretty funny cars. And how old were you? 12 at that point because I'm a late year. So it was 83 it came out, so 12 yeah. to 13. And that Christmas I got the cassette and a boombox and Snoopy pajamas. And there's a picture somewhere in my archives of me holding it up like a cool kid. 
I uh, I wasn't necessarily super into this song, but I'm about your age, and I remember this song, and it takes me back to that I, time. I don't. It's not in my playlist because I'm my wife at the time would say your music, your playlist. It's like the let's make a deal. Like it goes from like the theme for Sanford and Son to Owner of a Lonely Heart to you know. You know, the Chili Peppers. It's just this crazy random, and I can't not listen to the same... I can't listen to the same thing just on repeat. I have to hear something different all the time. So this one doesn't make it into the playlist, but be prepping for this, I thought, what song just blew my mind and changed? Owner of a Lonely Heart. Back of the Sapporo, it's dark, and we're driving, I don't know, maybe to Ground Round or something for a special night out. <laughs> Let's listen to it. Let's transport ourselves back to those 80s. Uh, this is Tim Morrison's first song here on Three Song Stories today. It is Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes from their 1983 album 90125. Pure 80s. That was perfect. Oh. <laughs> I don't, you know, I know that song. I wouldn't have been able to tell you off the top of my head that that was by Yes. I was never necessarily into Yes. What are some of their other hits? Surely they have other hits. Early 70s, it was Roundabout. And the one that every guitar player does crappily, the bing, dee, 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 which is, I can't remember the name of that one, but it's fragile. Jira is helping us out with with our external brain. But this was the, so Chris, the bass player and a few other guys formed a band called Cinema. That was the name of the, and then somehow... John Anderson gets invited back into the band and they switch it to Yes. So there's a song on the album, I think, called Cinema or the next one. But yeah, they had a And the producer who was kind of in the band, who was in the Buggles and who was in Art of Noise, which is we get those little choppy sounds mm-hmm. from that. But then it just, the band just took off. They hmm. did, the, their next, that album and the next one were pretty big. I've seen All Good People. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I can hear that one too, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't gonna go back that far. Those, but yours is no disgrace. I think is one of them. Yeah, there you go. Starship Trooper. Yeah, yeah. There's, but but if you listen to each album, my father's gonna slap me when he sees me next. But if you listen to each album as a whole, each album kind of stinks. <laughs> like it's like kind of like Bowie. I would go to the library and be like, okay, I'm gonna do my homework. I'm gonna get all the Bowie albums. Like, oh, he's got seven hits. Off seven albums, like I, me personally, just I, I, one good song out of yeah. yeah what if I you get can write that. one good song? I get that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, where did you fit into the equation in high school? Were you a musical kid? Were you a, a, a nerd? Were you a jock? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a small town. Um, I think my class had 130 people in it. 130 students. It wasn't that big, but so there was a crew of us, and we were track and cross country, and and a little girl. I was the dumbest one of the group. One became a foot doctor within like a year after high school. The other literally became a rocket scientist. The other's an engineer, and then I would come over and I'd play my crappy acoustic that I would tune to a chord. And the joke was, I'm going to grow up to write music for the Weather Channel, <laughs> which is kind of what I ended up doing for a while. <laughs> um, you know, what was the musical scene like? Small high school? I mean, were, were you exposed? To, did you have access to any kind of, like, concerts? Uh, or I grew were up you near Woodstock. So, would, you know, I grew up near, you know, it's a, it's kind of the last suburban stop for the train out of New York City. So a lot of people commuted into the city. It was an IBM town, all that area. So there was, Poughkeepsie would get some some shows. Kingston, I saw Chick Corea at Kingston. Bob Dylan lives up, you know, it's, so it's around Woodstock. But not really, kind of like down here, unless you go into the New York City, you're not seeing 
great bands. My dad was in a wedding band, bar mitzvah band in the 80s. So I would travel with him as like a 12-year-old, 13-year-old. I have a vivid memory of sitting at a bar drinking a tab as a 12-year-old <laughs> while he's playing Boogie Oogie Oogie. That's a great sentence. And, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> Brought to you by Tab. <laughs> was, yeah. Poor bartender serving a 12-year-old. Um, uh, dances, you know, things like Would that. Would go to dances, there yeah. Were, there were high school dances. Were you, a, were you a prolific dancer? Yes. Loved dancing. And then I'm in the Galleria, and they finally built them all. There was a karaoke booth, basically. They'd put on the track. You know, and it was, sounded horrible, but you get to sing. And I did Mandolin Rain with my friend Mike Russin. And I started hitting notes. And we're like, what? And so I'd be playing it for other, like, adults and parents. And like, what the heck is that? Like, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> so you discovered you could sing. It would finally get recorded and really just go, you know, yell it out. And I'm like, whoa, that's, I didn't know you could do that. So I forget I can do it now. When did you first then sing in front of people in a way that was like being in a band? College. So, high school, so no, was, no bands in high school. Um, played a few. That Owner of the Lonely Heart was the first song I played at Joe Magistro's house. And there was this really annoying guitar player who just kept soloing and soloing. Like a house party kind of thing? Not even. Just the three of us just playing. And Joe went on to be, you know, reasonably mid-time famous jazz drummer. So I've always liked playing with really good drummers. And then making them angry by getting on their drum set when they're in the bathroom. But hmm. um, but yeah, that, so I played that song with no ver- no lyrics, no vocals, no mics, just just playing the dun, 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 dun. But as soon as I got to college, 17-year-old kid pulled my bass out at a guitar jam, started playing very bad guitar on a bass, and everyone was like, what the heck is that? Here's this, you know. Look at you go. Yeah, some 90-pound kid with crazy hair and horrible skin. But next thing I know, they they're... Old, the, the two guitar players were in their 20s. And they just that night formed a band. I was like, well, who's the singer? And they said, you are. Because I had sung um, Steamroller by James Taylor. So sounding hundreds of pounds bigger than I actually am or was. And they're just like, okay, I'll do it. What was the name of the band? Uh, the, oh, I was so angry because girl, my girlfriend named it 10 Minutes Left, which is a good name, but I didn't come up with it. That made me angry. 10 Minutes Left. Yeah. Where were you at college? In New Paltz. So basically, I majored in skipping class. Where at where? New Paltz. It's up uh, near Woodstock. So kind of sent Catskills of New York. Majored at skipping class? That's how uh, my first year at UCF went. I got a degree in journalism at some point. Uh-huh. I think my parents made me pay the last two years. And uh-huh. what do you know? I started going to class. Huh. But uh, yeah, the first two years were um, bong hits and police covers. Yeah. 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 Stay we, in school, kids. We, we got we're simpatico <laughs> here, Tim Morrison. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, so it was a lot of um, Grateful Dead, a lot of patchouli, and I wasn't I, – I started writing songs because I couldn't stand being in a, in a two-guitar jam band because it would be solo after solo, and the drummer and I were like, what is happening? So I just started writing songs, and that's how I just start taking off with it. But during the day of Ian, the uh, cable's out. But it, we still have power. Ian, the hurricane that just ravaged Southwest Florida. Yeah, okay. you've heard of it. Yeah, yes. In case people are wondering which yes. Ian he's referring Not to. Not Ian Hunter, Ian the hurricane. <laughs> but um, so I dug into the pile of DVDs and I had, in the early 90s, it was a gig in New York City. And a couple guys we went to college with had started a video for a company. So they came with the video, giant video camera and they're filming us on stage at the Spiral in Manhattan. And it's got the cheesy like flashing, you know, the band then was Slicker Boy. So I get to finally name a band, and I name it Slicker Boy. Yeah, that's a good one. But uh, 
10 seconds left is better. Yeah, 10 minutes left. 10 is, minutes ten, left. Even 10 seconds left is better. Yes. Yeah, you put me in charge and I'm naming band Slicker Boy. That's great. But so we're playing and it's a lot of – I've written everything and it's kind of a mix of funk and rock. It's the whole melange of the people raised you know, in the 80s. But I – it was like a fire hose voice. My daughter and I was just looking at me like waiting for me to comment. Like I'm fully aware that I'm screaming at the top of my lungs and I'm somewhere note adjacent – but it's like I had no control over it. It was just a, a fire hydrant in the summer, just blasting. And you have a DVD of this? Yes. That we can rip audio from? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. It's um. Perhaps we use that as the parting <laughs> tune. <laughs> but you got to finish with, Tim finally harnesses his, his machine gun voice. So we'll get to New York in just a bit, but um, uh, journalism, was that like something you strove for, something you just decided, I I have to study something, so I'll check that so I can go skip class? Right. Um, So I go to, I was, there were two of us in my class. We both had like 84.5, so we couldn't get into honor society. We're so close. But, uh, and if I applied myself, in New York, they had the regents. So if you could get a 60 all year, like I was in algebra, and then just get the little regents book from the bookstore flip through it, and then if you got an 89 on the final, which I did, that's your grade. Wow, you had figured out the lowest, the the, yep. the, the highest lowest point or the lowest highest point. I'm not sure which it is. <laughs> <laughs> Been cutting corners my whole life. Don't play this for Corey. Um, but, yeah, so that we had a thing, we had a thought track going. I can't Journalism. Oh, that's right. Journal- yeah, see how important it is to me. <laughs> so I get in the new pulse, which now I couldn't. But I get in the New Pulse, and I'm reading the, the catalog, and I thought, filmmaking. I want to go for filmmaking. It's in the catalog. I get there first day, and I swear to God, they said, we don't have that major anymore. And it was, and no counselors came over to say, let's figure out something else. So I just had nothing to aim for. And I think maybe two years in or so, I just like, well, I need something. Like, well, I like writing, and okay, journalism, there you go. And you have to go... This college owns a newspaper in Albany, so I got to go be a political reporter, like an f- actual political reporter for seven, eight months. And it was horrible because it was just – you see how the sausage is made. It's just this side, that side. Well, one of them's got to be right. Nope, present both sides. And I thought, nope, I'm going right to Manhattan. And mm-hmm. I went to, to PR, to which the editor laughed. and said, you skipped the whole part about being a journalist. You, know, you just went right to PR like most of them do. Did you have that band 10 minutes left all through college? Yes. Was it the only band you had in college? Yes. I would jam with a few other people. We kind of ran the the uh, happy hour at Coochie's, which I then lived above. So that's always good. You always want to live above a bar in college. You get your money's worth. And uh, play all the frat parties, which people say, oh, are you going to pledge a frat? Like, why? I go to these parties. I play. They assign me pledges. And I'm like royalty walking around this little town. Bass player, singer, whole way through? Yes. Originals and covers? In college, you had to do your covers. So you'd have to no do originals your, uh, at all. Yeah, I, I just, that's why I got so sick of just playing the same stupid line while they were soloing improperly and poorly. But uh, how one, were your originals received by that kind of crowd? They actually enjoyed them. Huh? Yeah. What do you know? Well, that's great. There's one called "Hey Mister." Oh, it's I. I bought a Joan Armatrading disc at a, a drugstore in Albany, and I thought, "What would Joan Armatrading do?" You know who? Thinks just like Joan Armatrading, a 19-year-old white boy in New Paltz, New York. What would Joan Armatrading do? They should make wristbands. WW. It it works still. They do. (laughs) You you can just plot the A. You don't know who it is. And so then you moved to New York City? I went right to New York City after college. And um, 
it took a little bit. My friends in college mostly were all four years older than me, so they were already in the city as in working in independent film. So I started working for a publishing house, making nineteen thousand. Which one? Uh, Paragon Publishing. Okay. Um, very small, very bad. They did mostly textbooks. I worked for St. Martin's Press for about a year. They, um, the owners decided, well, we're going to buy a cable company, and they shut down the the publishing house and fired everybody. Hmm. But I was the cheap. I was the lowest paid, so they kept me around. They just move boxes and stuff. And then I went on employment, which was basically about this. I don't know how I lived in New York City making nineteen thousand dollars. You must have been stealing things, or no? We were. I was sharing. <laughs> it was this, this one bedroom in Cobble Hill with my um. First, I lived with my guitar player, and we had kind of different hours. He worked at MTVs and animators, so we had different hours. So you're not really sharing a room. But I would look out my window, and there was the Trade Center because I was right on the water in Brooklyn. It was the coolest thing. And then my high school best friend had moved in as well. So it was quite a – it was a very cool experience. And it was just instruments all over the place. And this is 90s era. Yeah. I'm guessing. This is 92-ish, 93-ish. Mm. So then I just – so I was doing – then I'm unemployed. But I would get gigs doing voiceovers. I did a PSA for Nickelodeon or something. I would do scores for s- the small movies. I made a meatball sub for um, doing an entire score and, and acting. So you was, were paid in a meatball sub that, yes. in the form of? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Another was a $50 bill. So it was quite a – it's kind of why I had to – I ended up stopping music when I got down here because I'm like, I can't you know, afford to live on you – know, $120 from a voiceover for a car dealer in Pennsylvania. How long were you in in, in the New York City uh, area? Moved to Westchester, lived in, worked in Manhattan the whole time until 2005. Okay, so for a while. But it was a totally different career. was in the fashion industry, trademark oh, yeah. enforcement. I want to do the trademark enforcement. Tell us about that. We'll get to your second song, but give us the <laughs> – I forgot about that. The so, counter, anti-counterfeiting in the fashion yeah, world. Yeah, the things you don't think about but uh, that are actual jobs. What is that? So I floated, splashed around unemployed for a while and um, used almost all of my $2,000 negative balance you could use out of your Chase account. It was eating – I vividly remember my roommate's asleep – and I'm eating pudding powder in his anchovies for dinner. Hmm. I'm so poor at this point. Hmm. And, uh, Do you like that combination or was that just the only way to get calories for, for free at that gonna, point? Now that I've got money, I mean, I am a thousandaire, sir. <laughs> I'm going to try it again. Pudding, yeah. Okay. I'll be at Whole Foods later. But um, I, in the story that I will tell, which I now am, the next day, the headhunter calls and says, there's an interview with Chanel. Put your suit on. So... I go for the interview, I get the job, I'm working for the associate counsel. He gets fired. The general counsel says, here, you handle his cases. And they were all the anti-counterfeiting cases, so for fake bags, which people will always, oh, I buy bags on Canal Street. And then I ruin their day by saying, oh, you support um, organized crime and hmm. child labor. That's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, when they blew up the trade tri- the towers the first time, that was funded by counterfeit T-shirts. So thanks. But then I, so I go from the Chanel to a law firm representing a bunch of different companies, then I end up at Coach. So I was flying all over the world. Well, not Europe yet, but I was flying all over the country, flying all over Asia. And it's the coolest job until you realize it's not because you're standing in Beijing, totally 12-hour jet lagged, chain smoking to try and keep yourself awake. And then you have to go out with the officials to lobby. So it's, and they all want to just get hammered. So you're like, when you figure out the time change, like, okay, so I'm getting ripped for breakfast. And then I have to try and, like, dull myself to sleep. And, you know, it, it was it was not 
And then they started saying, oh, you're going to have to start coming back every quarter. And I had, you know, my daughter's four, three, four, five on those trips. And um, it was going poorly. And then her, my in-laws both died within a few months of each other down here. That's when we pull up stakes, move down here, restart life, and I go back to music. We'll pick it up there on the back end of your second song. But just last question. I mean, if you walk through the mall, can you see who has the fake bags? Yeah, there's a place. <laughs> I, there's a place in I town. I mean, not that, even that who's selling them, just who's carrying them. It's, I, it's, because that time in your life, do you like you look at handbags all or, the time? Well, it's usually the real ones. So I've been single a while, and I can usually figure out if I can afford to date someone by their purse. <laughs> in Naples, it's almost nobody. Like if it's... The cheapest Louis Vuitton bag? No, I can't oh, do it. Oh, it makes your life clearer. Yeah. It's simpler. Just, can't, yeah, it's like Terminator. Like, <laughs> and I zero in. Nope, that's a dumb yeah, bag. Yeah, you seem nice. You got a great personality and you're pretty, but you got a fancy yeah, bag. They, yeah, they, let's order a bottle of wine. Oh, God. Yeah, I brought one. But, um, but yeah, so I was a licensed private investigator when I got down here. And um, I did a couple raids, but there's not enough down here to sustain a living doing it. So I did a couple raids. There's one that's still open in the mall. And uh, did a the flea market raid, and it was pretty funny. Fascinating. <laughs> you need to do a YouTube channel on that. <laughs> All right, let's do your second song. This is the the Bahamas song. Yeah, the Lost in the Lights. So we listened to Eclectic Twenty Four on KCRW. It just as it sounds, it's eclectic. It's twenty four hours a day. I mean, it'll loop over, but um, every day one song would pop up, and you would just it would just blow your mind. It would blow my mind. And I remember standing in the living room. I think we were painting the house. And that song came on, and the first chorus ran through, and I just stopped. I said, what the heck was that? And just had to run over to my the iPod to figure out what was playing. And um, it was a song, Lost in the Light, and almost nobody knows the song, but I will forward it to people, and they'll just, oh, my God, that song was amazing. So unless you hate it, then, it, then I don't care. But, uh, <laughs> and, and this was right after it came out? or It, I, I, it had just been released. What was it uh, 2012? He, the... Main songwriter had played guitar and Feist Span and a few others, kind of on the indie scene, indie Canadian scene. But I'd never heard of him before, never heard any other tracks. Might have been the first album he did, but it just, I can put it on any moment and it just is perfect. And the catharsis of the chorus, and it ties in with, it was, I joked about it kind of, was Cassandra-ing me with, from the Trojan myth about bad news is coming, bad news is coming. And I just wasn't catching it because it's such a good song. And then after the divorce, I singing the lyrics in the car, being like, "Oh, that's right. That makes. Oh, that's me." Oh, okay. So this song came along before you got divorced, yeah. And then suddenly, after your divorce, you realized this song was telling right. you something. There was I was talking with somebody, and there was some song I was playing, and she was like, "You shouldn't play that. It's too close." And I said, "A good song is never not listened to. If it makes me cry, it's even better." But uh, yeah. So this song is so good that it didn't have any like I can't listen to that it's traumatic no it's perfect except that last guitar is a little hot I'm not a fan of that but <laughs> well let's listen to it I have never heard it this will be my first time hearing usually it usually I so... only send this song to women so this will be uh, this is nice well the, there's some women listening so uh, Lost in the Light by the Bahamas from their 2012 album called Bar Chords this is Tim Morrison's second song today on Three Song Stories this is Biography Through Music really beautiful song yeah it never doesn't impress 
I just in that low volume. I've never listened to it that quietly. <laughs> I didn't notice there was a. Should have asked me. I got a little knob over here. I could have cranked actually, it for you. Yeah, I've lost half the frequencies anyway. But yeah, there was this one lone bass piano note that he's adding on there. I'm like, ah, I was genius. When was the last time you listened to it? Uh, well, two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I forget that that's my favorite song. <laughs> There's a bunch, but that one just doesn't. Do you listen to other music by the Bahamas or by Bahamas? Yeah. I don't know if it's the Bahamas or Bahamas or... Well, yeah, Bahamas. Bahamas. this guy Alfie. Alfie something. Do you listen to other music yeah, he had by an, him? He's had a couple albums come out after that. And then my daughter and I share the, pretty much the same musical taste. So she actually became a bigger fan of, I think, two albums after that. But we'd listen to it in our travels. When we, she lived in St. Croix for a while in Boston. And we'd go to Seattle to see Dijon. We went to Boston to see uh, Bonnie Vare. Or Seattle, we saw Tune Yards. So it's, but we'll send each other music now. We just kind of do this funnel back and forth. That's great. Yeah, it's fun. Like it's Isn't that like great? she and I both know who Harry Styles is. Yeah, more than well, more than me, <laughs> not more than my daughter. Um, uh, uh, have you ever seen him live? No, I don't. I don't think I've ever looked to see if he plays. I mean, no one comes down here that I want to see. So I, that's where I thought, get the fun condo, make that my big bird nest, and then fly to different places in the country. Do you mean big bird like a large bird or like big bird? Yeah. <laughs> you work at a PBS station now. So. <laughs> big bird is a big bird. So both, well, I that's mean true. both. Yeah. But yeah, that, just the big nest. We'd go to Sesame Street Place or Sesame Place and there would be, oh my God, there's Big Bird's Nest. So yes, I, the condo I bought is made of twigs. So it got taken. Um, okay. So you, <laughs> you, uh, you have alluded to the fact that, that you, got, you moved here in 2005 Five. And it was because there was a family problem. Uh, you know, your, your in, you know, the, in-laws uh, passed I don't away. know if you want to discuss that just, at all, but I just want to pivot now to your time here in Southwest Florida. So what was it like first coming here? Uh, there's nothing like the temper of a 34-year-old angry type A boy from New York dropped into Naples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was a, the best husband and father you've ever met. That's on tape now, so it, it has to be true. But – um. It did not go well, but then I, I – before we left, I had bought all this music equipment and a power – $5,000 Apple PowerBook that had a gig and a half. Which at the time was like a lot. Yeah, and I upgraded to two gigs. And I had Pro Tools. And I had Reason, so that, and a big MIDI keyboard. So I would just sit and I became a very kind of rudimentary keyboard player and just do 10 tracks to build this big piece. But um, – and it started – Working. I had agents. I had a manager. Uh, the song Wait got on All Songs Considered, which then got it some radio play around the country. I didn't realize All Songs Considered was the mothership of all radio stations because I would email what I thought was an independent, like CBS FM in Manhattan. And they wrote back, like, we love it, but all of our programming comes from Atlanta. Like, you're in Manhattan. How is that possible? Hmm. But I learned very quickly. It's And that was the when I had emailed Amy Tardiff when she was doing Gulf Coast Life Arts Edition that when I came up in the 90s, you couldn't get your cassette into the door, you know, in the door at Sony. But now everyone can record anything and get it. So now it's a million of us just trying to now right. get our MP3 through the door. So it's, you know, you're, you're lucky if you get one person to actually listen to it and play it. I remember FUV had said, we'd love it. We just don't have any room in our playlist. And I didn't email back. My thought was, Maybe skip a Neil Young song yeah. at three in the morning. <laughs> I'll get up. Like, do you really need to play 
tripping billies again? <laughs> Come on, man. So you were on all thing, your song was on All Things Considered? Second or, stage. Second stage. Which is still okay. Cool. And that, what, what song was that? Wait. Wait. Which was spelled the, like, like, the, like W-E-I-G-H-T. Yes. What was that song about? Uh, all of the heavy stuff that had happened causing us to come down here. Right. So it's um, it was one of those – I had the – Bruce Hornsby had put an album out around that time and the notes were separated I think by thirds. And it was just really interesting. And I'm – you know, Bruce Hornsby has forgotten more right now than I will ever know on keyboards. But I just figured out like, oh, it's just three notes apart. And then just did two tracks where I mixed it in. And the song just – so I had the instrumental – and I would drive to Carline every day over at Point Siena Elementary School, and I just started adding songs in. And I had the old white brick iPod with a little mm-hmm. dictaphone top. And for some reason, just going, oh, there's a wait. I'm like, we're done now. And then it's just all autobiographical. I can actually run it through with my daughter sitting next to me, like, okay, that's your mother. That's granny and granddad. Okay, that's just me talking about myself. Huh. But uh, it's – and then um, I didn't realize – so I'm singing the tracks – and I could sing really high back then, go from really low and then super high, not even falsetto, just like a scream. And uh, so my daughter was in the studio with me. She's eight at the time, nine, whatever it was. But she had the second set of headphones on. And as I'm singing, I'm thinking, I wonder if I could sing really, really high, really loud. And I remember her pulling the headphones out because she was just, it was blowing her ears out. And then we get to the bridge and I'm thinking, I wonder if I could sing opera. And, and I'm singing opera. I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> so... On a road trip a couple years ago, she put it on, and we laughed our heads off because as after I stopped choking, because to hit those notes at my age now and not warming up, it was just it was pretty funny. I uh, I looked. It, it's your song is on Spotify. It had been. You have to pay to get it on, but it's on Bandcamp. Well, yeah. I mean, I it was on Spotify. I could see it there. I just couldn't play it. But that was people would be like, "How'd you get your music on iTunes and Spotify?" Like I paid a third party twenty seven dollars, and they put it on. All the platforms. That's how any kid can just. Oh, I couldn't even play it though because I don't have a Spotify account. You got to sign up. So I was like, meh. It's on Bandcamp. That's the free one. And that's one of the. Is it KCRW or KEX? Some of the public media music stations do Bandcamp Day. So it's kind of the the cool kids are there now. Oh, cool. So I put mine on there. It's free. You don't have to pay. So it was. um, I used to hand out CDs to everybody. And then I realized about a year and a half ago, I don't even have a CD player. Right. (laughs) Forcing people to go out to their older car. So how long were you diligently pursuing that music setup here before you, as your bio says, decided to take things more seriously again or something like that? It was starting to work. Like it was getting to the point of maybe we could – this could – Bringing just enough money to pay for groceries. It reminded me of the Homer gets the job at the bowling alley. (laughs) That was it. This is my – I got my job at the bowling alley. And then the recession starts. I'm like, oh, man. And I was – so I – just looking for a gig. So I pulled out all my old articles and scanned them and contacted the Naples Daily News. And at that point, it was just starting to fall down. And it said, we're just hiring stringers now. And I thought, I'm not getting up at 2 in the morning to do a story, you know, in some far off town. And it probably didn't pay much better than struggling musicians. Exactly. And then so in the old school want ads, it was online, so it was a little modern. There's a job at the zoo. And it was the membership. Naples Zoo. Yeah. It was the membership job plus a little of the retail. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll fix that. I'll get rid of that part. But next thing you know, I'm standing at the zoo in my fancy Manhattan boy clothes. But now I'm making okay, not okay money. It was crap money, but, you know. Yeah, it's a nonprofit. But then I turned into a real job and became, it's kind of all nonprofits. The first development person, because there's no degree in it, is usually the secretary. 
Like let you know, let that person send out the letters. They'll they'll take care of it. And at a certain point, you get you need kind of a professional to do it. So I just took it over, and it became a real job and with real salary and real benefits, and was there for eight years. Seems like zoo would be a cool place to work. Well, I I tell people the newbies, I would say, say I work at the zoo and then stop. Don't say rake and poop all day, or um, just staring at the wall in your office. Kind of a, I'd go to different museums or zoos and th- you'd think, and I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be great to work here? Like, my counterpart is sitting in a windowless <laughs> kennel right now, <laughs> typing, you know, Googling life choices. And uh, so there, and then I ended up at the Holocaust Museum. I ended up here. The music after so 2013, get divorced, but I'd already written kind of what I wanted to write. Like, everything I heard in my head as a kid, I'd written it. I've been doing it. I can actually play a symphony now just with my hands. I finished one song, The Easter After, loved it, but I realized I just, I'd start to play and think, these chords again? I already did it. It's like I'm trying to find some new genre to write, and it just never happened. Then I realized I was ignoring my home studio out of spite. Like, I'm, I'm spiting myself to not, what is Did you get rid of it? Well, the, the power book just died because it was 2005. I actually tried, I, so I had Pro Tools. I still have the Mbox, but I... Uh, have a laptop, a Windows laptop. It's not even that new. And I put the disk in to see if I could load Pro Tools back on. And I swear the message popped up saying, get that out of me immediately. <laughs> this is virus central. Like, I guess we're not doing... I did a couple songs, Pandemic, on app, the music app on the phone. And I'm like, yeah, that's cute. But it was the same stupid chords that I kept writing, you know, it was playing. So, which they're fine chords. You can do anything with them. Do you tool around on an instrument when you're at home just to have something to do? Or are you just pretty much like hiding from it? <laughs> I'm not. I was never. I was a futon jammer for a bit in my early 20s. But that's you're sitting with your two guitar players, drinking a 40 and getting high and chain smoking. I mean, that was your staying school kids. Um, you don't do that in the big bird nest. No, 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 no. I stopped smoking cigarettes, I said. No, I'm kidding. No, I, the, the weed these days, the kids are smoking. It gives me panic attacks. I've tried it twice since 2000. Yeah, 2000, I, I smoked twice and lost my mind. So I stay away from that. But uh, And cigarettes are too expensive, so I don't buy those. So I am the picture of health. Your bio says, um, quote, after a prolonged and determined journey, however, Tim has finally ended up where he belongs, WGCU. So uh, how long has working at WGCU been on your bucket list, if I can put it that way? I'm going to put a pin in the folklore by saying September of 1996. Wow. Because my girlfriend then, who became my wife, but we were public radio nerds. So just anywhere we'd go, we'd find the public radio station and listen to NPR and all that. So we got down here and it was Back when nine o'clock would hit and it was classical until four. Yeah. But um yeah, just now having the you know the, the connection in Naples, I thought, huh, yeah, I could end up there. But I, I had nothing to do with fundraising at that point, which is what I do now, but it was I don't know, I think I remember saying to Amy at the end of my Gulf Coast life, saying it, you know, I'm really thinking I would love to do my own show, like you know, like World Cafe. And she went, Yeah, no, we just picked them up. They're gonna be on I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I was like uh, you know who I uh, have sort of become friends with and who's going to be on the show eventually? Um, do you listen to World Cafe? I haven't in a while. Okay. Did, did, did you, uh, did, uh, did you <laughs> listen like to motivator. it? Did you just listen to it during the Talia Schlanger uh, arc? 
She had just started. I was a David Die guy. Okay, uh, man, she's really amazing. Yeah, I would listen sometimes at, when we were on my. And she life. left. She was there for like three years, and then she left. And now she's uh, making music. She's putting an album together. Cool. And so as soon as the album comes out, I get to talk to her. Oh, so nice. I think I fan. sent her the link to my stuff. Just, just the answer is always no if you don't ask. Yeah, well, no, exactly. Oh, I've learned that through this. Trust me, through my job here, right. you never know. Um, okay, before we get to your third song, let's talk concerts. You've alluded to some concerts. Um, uh, not concerts you performed in, but concerts right. that you attended. Uh, do you have a peak one from your your existence? Yes. The up- best part about living in New York City is the whole world comes there. So you'd go to a John Hyatt show and Bonnie Raitt shows up. Or it was the other way around, whichever it was. Or I went to there's a Mike Watt album. He was the bass, seminal punk bass player, and he did kind of an all star album in the early '90s. I think it was called Ball Hog or Tugboat. So you got Dave Grohl, Eddie Vedder, Evan Dando, uh, Black Francis from the Pixies. It was just this murderer's row of the cool hipster hmm. grunge days. Go to the show in Manhattan. Can't remember the club, but who's there? Every one of them. And they're um, playing along with it. It's like, holy. But the best show I ever saw was Larry Carlton. Not Larry Carlton. Larry Graham. Larry Carlton's a lovely fellow as well. <laughs> plenty of Steely Dan track. But Larry Graham, the inventor of slap bass, which was my thing, had a show, we'll say Irving Plaza. And it was just the happiest. Uh, he had a bass challenge. And my, my friends were jokingly yelling at me because I didn't bring a bass. But he would bring bass players up on there. And it was <sighs> just this cool, just old school, just funk gospel revival. But down here, the plan pre-COVID was to um, just go to cities where bands are and then meet up with my daughter and my father and three of us or the four or five of us. So pre-COVID, we flew to Boston, met her there, saw Bonnie Vare, flew to Seattle, saw Toon Yards. It was the only show in the entire city that night because it was just as COVID lockdown was lifting. Flew to Boston last May and saw Dijon where... I was the oldest person in the room probably by 25, 30 years, which was still fine. I still sing along. <laughs> um, do you have any concerts on your horizon that you know that you've you know, identified as something you've either bought tickets for or intend to? There's a show that's I think four artists that my daughter and I both love. It's kind of it's Boy Genius, Barty Strange, and a few others that we do like. We're thinking maybe going to see him in Boston, but there's some other shows. But that's that's up in the air at this point. But I need to get back to doing that. I'm going to see uh, the Avett Brothers tomorrow oh, nice. night in St. Augustine, and it's supposed to be 46 degrees and raining, <laughs> and they're playing in the amphitheater. So you wish me luck. Yeah. Did you see their documentary? Uh, no, I did not. It's out there, and it's, it's quite good. Okay. Well, I, I haven't really followed them much lately, but I saw they were coming, so I bought tickets because my daughter's birthday was eight was this week. Wait, where are they going to be? St. Augustine, tomorrow okay. night. They, tonight, they start their new tour tonight, and then tomorrow night will be their second show. And uh, and then my daughter ended up going to New York, so I couldn't take her, so I'm, one of my high school friends is going up with That'll me. That'll be a but, fun one. Yeah. I saw Brandy Carlisle at the Seminole Casino in Hollywood. Right when COVID was dropping down on all of us. So I had hand sanitizer. But, you know, remember at that point, we weren't supposed to wear masks. So in the hall, and she looks up and goes, wow, I can't believe there's this many people here with what's going on. I thought, what's she talking about? And then, oh, my God, it's COVID. I didn't say a lick the entire night. Just kept the mouth closed, kind of covered the nose, but made it up. But that was the last. No, then I saw Dijon after that, but. I saw Willie Nelson with my daughter at the arena over here, and it was the week before the shutdown. So it was like 
right there at the end. And you know there was COVID all around us at oh, that yeah. point, too. We just didn't know yeah. about it yet. I'm walking around a casino. Um, <laughs> okay, let's do your third song. All right. So this one popped up. So Dijon is, I don't, I'm not sure of his history before this, but one morning, KEXP in Seattle was playing this track, Big Mike's House. And it was the one from the album, and I just thought, and it was another one of those, what the heck was that? Just different enough to just catch your ear. And then um, listening to it, put the whole album in, and we just do the, just play it nonstop. Like, this is really great. And then YouTube searching, trying to find more of his stuff, up popped this short film, this concert film. And well, I won't ruin the ending for people who do go and track it down, but this, with the liveliness, it looks like they're hammered, just acting like they're just blotto and screaming, and he blows his voice out. But then at one point, he picks up his guitar and he's playing perfect chords. I'm like, he's not hammered. That's not <laughs> how you play guitar when you're hammered. But just the energy just went up through the roof. And it's upsetting my downstairs neighbor, probably, just screaming along to this concert video. But this song is, so then it became this thing. I would used to do it on bike rides where I would just pick a melody, totally out of context, and do it. It started with, um, rumor has it, rumor has it, which my daughter was like, what the heck is that? And then here's the Adele song, rumor has it. And it would fit in with the melody and all the chords. Like, oh, I get it. So this one became, na, 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 na. And we just do it nonstop. And all of a sudden, we're at the concert. Like, oh, my God, we're all doing it. And it was just this energy in the room of, you know, a thousand people going, na, 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 na. We got my dad doing it in St. Croix when we went last year. So it's shorthand for just let's get a little a better feeling. If your day is going a little low, just start shouting out, na, na, na. And my daughter, being 22, knows all the lyrics. I know just na, na, na. <laughs> when did you do that the last time? The na, 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 na. <laughs> Probably Christmas time. Did I get it right? Yeah, that's, that's, it's just na na na. You can do it any way you want with no context. Like na na na. <laughs> or manamana, I guess we could do since we're men of a certain age. Yes, yes. That's actually, I've been going through watching a bunch of old TV and I've got Muppets on my next. <laughs> it's like comforting. It's, yeah. It's good to go back to yeah, it simpler is. I times. tried to do a run of Muppets on HBO, that, on HBO Max. Like, wait, I already, I already know all these. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, you want to listen to this? I do. You're going to get people out there doing yeah, it. Yeah, in your car, wherever you are right now. All right, this is Big Mike's House by Dijon, released in 2021 on the album Absolutely. This is the live version, as he said. It's Tim Morrison's final song on... It's not a live version, is it? It's like a... It's a concert film, I guess. Yeah, all right. They're playing live. They're playing live, yeah. but it's but it's, but it's it's well-produced. Uh, this is Tim Morrison's final song on today's episode of Three Song Stories. Everybody, that's a new song, right? Or yeah. that you know, that's, that's like that's like contemporary music right. per se. Uh, kids are listening to. Yeah. So, do you get most of the new stuff from your daughter, or do you ever give new stuff to your daughter too? We pass it back and forth the, between KEXP and Electric Twenty Four, and just we'll just listen in different spots, or you'll listen to something on. You'll then listen to it on Apple Music, and then you build a station off that, and then you just start finding the new stuff. What percentage of your musical library or listening habits these days is old stuff, like, you know, 80s and 90s stuff versus almost all, almost all new, new stuff. stuff? Yeah. Good for you. I built a playlist. Staying and, up with the times. Yeah. Hey, like none of us. Hey, kids, what are you listening to? <laughs> yeah. John Fogarty. That's great. Credence. 
Dijon. That uh, you, I built the place. Basically described us, Tim. There, there you go. Yeah. That's a great promo, little lick right there, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> what are you listening to? <laughs> but uh, where was I? Oh, so I built a playlist in December because I had a party coming up, and I knew my family was coming. And it started with John Mellencamp. Uh, what's the song? The The Lonesome Jubilee. That oh, it's got the fiddle and the accordion. Can't remember the song now. The it's Lonesome Jubilee. Yeah, it's one of the songs. But I that was my like. That actually sound, that sound, the accordion, the violin, and the guitar is what I picked up from the 80s and dropped into the songs I wrote in the 2000s, the late 2000s, before, you know, 2010 era. Because I finally had a piano and a keyboard and an accordion and a violin sample. So I could actually, there's a few of the songs, you'd be like, that's Lonesome Jubilee. There's nothing original under the sun. If you got back into recording, you could sample, da, 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 yeah. and you could build a whole song around it. It's, I've toyed with going back to it <laughs> and then you know you get get new new job whatever yeah de- no I, I i get quarterly I, depression and i kind of use music to pull me back out but i usually try and grab someone's a better song than i would write <laughs> so I just be like what do i need to hear today oh harry styles there you go the guy on the magazine at public exactly um okay you ready for a speed round yes yes i am do you have a nickname that has stuck over the course of your life that you'd be willing to share uh, Microsoft Word used to try and autocorrect my last name to moron. Hmm. So let's not use that. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, when was the last time you bought music that had physical form? The second Bon Iver album at uh, Best Buy. Do you do karaoke? And if so, do you belt at the top of your lungs? I'm the one that the ringer that comes in and blows the roof off the dump. And then they used to come every week. I'm like, nah, that's, I don't want to. What's your go-to karaoke song or, or genre or vibe? Uh, last one I did was uh, Perfect Day by Bill Withers. Mm. But then people didn't know that I was kind of the ringer, so everyone then started to try and run up. And it was somebody else's show, and then I got pulled up on stage to sing. I, this next question, I feel like there's a 50-50 chance it could go either way. Have you ever had a home karaoke machine, Tim Morrison? No. Oh. Clubhouse <laughs> at the condo New Year's party last two years ago, um, and it went very well. If you were a championship wrestler, what music would you enter with? I can't not do Final Countdown, I guess. Mm. I don't want to hear that song ever again, but if I was a luchador, or I would have to do that. What would your wrestler name be? Actually, no, it would be Dijon's A Big Mike's House. Just all eight minutes of that song before I even <laughs> just posing on the on the ropes. By the time you came in, the uh, the, the audience would all be doing the yeah, da da Exactly. Yeah, it would calm everyone down. It would be the gentlest wrestling match you've ever seen. And your wrestler name? Uh, let's see. The Sweaty Suplex? I don't know. I'm just riffing now. Um, that one's got a ring. Yeah, to sweaty it. suplex. Sweaty suplex. Captain Thunderpants. <laughs> <laughs> the two are matched up against each other. Yes, it's the tag team. Um, if you were a cocktail or a drink of some kind that represented your essence, what would it be made of? Oh, uh, whatever's in a rusty nail. I think it's like drambuie and bourbon. It's it tastes so good, but it's so headachey. Is that what you are? You taste so I, good and you're so happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, uh, yeah, it's, you want to hear the stories, but at a certain point, you're like, I, I'm tapping out. I can't, you can't have more stories. Like, now nah, there's a th- about seven more. What, uh, I was just saying it's a, it's, yeah, it's Jamboree and, um, scotch. Yes, you always want to drink two of those before driving home. 
Ah. I don't do that anymore in Naples. I'm a homebody, as they say. You live in your big bird nest. Yes, I'm a couch drinker. What is, is your uh, What is your your version of it called? I've never made it for myself. Well, but we got to we got to add it to the cocktail cookbook. So there needs to be a Tim Morrison drink with a name. I like uh, I like making the old school uh, Hemingway daiquiris, whichever one I make them for thinks they're going to come out with some foamed, giant shaved ice drink. No, it's rum, simple syrup, and some lime. Yeah, proper Cuban daiquiri. It does the job and tastes good. You still have to name it. Right. Um, oh, let's see. The sweaty suplex. The sweaty I suplex. I <laughs> uh, You know, it's got to make sure it's got some sweat on the yeah, outside of the glass. Yeah, you can just salt the rim. So there, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, the salty suplex. Gross. Yeah. Oh. Spicy salt. Um, if you had to guess, what song would you say you've listened to the most times in your life? Oh, my heavens. Um, let me just put a... Pin in the ground with a uh, Obla D. That's not it. That's not it. We know that. Um, my own. That's the thing. My wife would make fun of me for listening to my own music, and I'd say, "But, but that means I like it." <laughs> I got a lot of songs that I've written that I can't stand. If my father puts it on when I'm up there, just like I can't do it. Just. But at the time, I thought it was the best thing that had ever happened. So it's one of your own songs. It's going to be that song. Wait, mainly from writing it, recording it, spent the most time with listening it. to it. Yeah, trying to. Figure out how to sing it again for this show. Yeah, that's it's definitely. I have a. If I have a theme, it's uh, enlightened self-centerment. Mm. Ooh, nice. That's mm. the other drink. <laughs> <laughs> that's the rusty nail variation. Yeah, that's the 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 hard seltzer with bitters in it. See, song you wish you could hear again for the first time. Uh, Lost in the light, which we just oh. played. Album. Uh, synchronicity. <sighs> The police were my first band. Yep. Spent a lot of time with the police. Still, yes. As the I was with Hardcore with the police until 10 Summoner's Tales. That I, was about where I drifted off. I, I kept going with it. I, I rode that thing until he grabbed a loot, and then I was out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I was the skinny, sweaty bass player, singer, front man in a power trio that was just – I under, and so we would do the songs, and I could I would miss the notes, or we'd do whatever, and be like, oh, man, they're so perfect. And then we bought a bootleg of a show – my drummer and I were like, oh, my God, they're worse than us. Because, <laughs> you know, that, that's That must fact. have given you a little bit of a spring in your step. <laughs> um, over, most overplayed song of all time. Oh, we're going back to the Neil Young, Bob Dylan. Let's see. Oh, well, now it's the um, You Only Get What You Have, Don't, uh, the new Radical song. Because... Joe Biden, Bo Biden's favorite song was that new radical song. So it's on every day on the station I listen to in Seattle. I've never even heard it. Yeah. Can we hear some of it, Richard? I need Probably. To hear, yeah. I need to hear the most overplayed song of all time. It is. <laughs> for the first time. I can get through it. But but then uh, the part part is that it gets the DJ that plays it, gets puts them in a run of just, we are old men, we listen to music from the 80s, and it kills me. Although the new radicals was uh, mid-90s, I think. Stand by. I gotta hear it again. I know. I'm I'm putting you through this. <laughs> it's actually it's a really good song. I well, I'm just it. curious if I'm gonna hear it and go, oh, that song. Oh, oh, that song. Oh, I have not not heard the most overplayed of all song of I all time. I loved the song when it came out. Loved yeah. it, and it had its time. Yeah, I moved on, sir, to Dijon, to Bahamas. Woo! See, it's great. 
and now we've put it out into the world one more time. Yeah. Added to that little tick. Um, I used to make just enough in royalties to have to pay the for the more expensive tax form. So huh. we just maybe kicked that guy's uh, tax form. Well, let's hope. Much. Any songs you'll avoid listening to at this point in your life? Yes. Anything by Joy Division. Almost everything by New Order. Because I was up, I'm from that era. So all those songs that are now like nostalgic, it's like, no, thank you. Yeah, just this morning they were playing the Jesus Jones song that uh, I don't even want to sing it. But like, I don't, I'm done now. Stop. How'd that song go? Oh, let's see. <laughs> and there's your fire. I'm you know, used to sing about, you know, it feels good just to be alive. Yeah, it was that, it was that, that Berlin Wall song. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bob Dylan, you know, you have to sing about the, the, the. I remember that song came out right when, like, the, the yeah, he's wall was TV. coming down and everything. I had my hat like that, too. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, I loved his hair. Uh, I thought that was the song you were talking about, but I wanted to yeah, like, clarify, make sure we yes. were on the same page yeah. here. Um, if you could broadcast a song into the head of every person in the whole world in a collective moment of music, what would it be? Everyone who knows me now is saying his own song? After. We break it with uh, Lost in the Light. I'm stick. I'm staying on brand. I th- everybody I've sent that song to says, I didn't know that song, but now it, I love it. It's, it's your pro- prerogative. I say watch the video, though, because it's even better. Um, any albums that you really just always want to listen to in their entirety, or are you mostly piecemeal these days? I will... When I first hear a new song that I like, like the Dijon song, I will then listen to the album just repeatedly but then i will break it up and just start building playlists but um like wilco summer teeth during that era late 90s the wilco albums i was a big fan of radiohead but i haven't done that in a while um if you could only have one album to listen to for the rest of your life which would you choose um are we in the multiverse or is it just this boring one just the world? we're just in the one this time it's either going to be Summer Teeth by Wilco or Heavy Weather by Weather Report because of the that was it's on the list of songs that almost made it in here. There were songs on Heavy Weather Weather Report that kind of blew my mind. But yeah, so it's either or. I'm going to just say there's two universes and I get to have each album in each one. What would your 14-year-old self think of who you are now? Um at least your skin cleared up. Ish. What's that? <laughs> nice shirt. <laughs> I have he, not what, changed. What would he think about living in Southwest Florida? Uh, so, okay. Would that seem super foreign to him? Several years ago, pre, so March 2nd of 2020, I got a fun big fundraising event. Dr. Ruth is our guest. She's coming down to speak. Westheimer. Yes, Dr. Ruth Westheimer. Still alive. And, um, what year was this? 2020, okay. March 2nd. So she's still alive. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I'm driving to the museum and the phone rings and I see 917 and I think, I think, and I pick up the phone, doesn't even need to say who she is. Just, I won't even do the accent, but Tim, are you coming to get me? And I do the talk or whatever, you're going to get a ride over there. And I think, oh my God, if you went back to when I was a kid, okay, you're going to be in a fun little Mazda hatchback. A what? A Mazda. Okay. I think I know a Mazda. And you're driving to the Holocaust Museum, the what? In Naples, Florida. What? And Dr. Ruth, okay, I'm with you. It's going to call you, weird, on a tiny computer. What? Like it just, but it all, you know, life happens slowly. 
So it all makes perfect sense when it happens. But if you had gone back in time, I'd be like, that sounds awesome. Hmm. But yeah, I, I, most people don't change. I remember the reel-to-reel tape my dad did with me when I was a little kid. Like I was the same hyper, m- talking a mile a minute, overly verbose. Let's talk stories. Let's, you know, it's I've not changed, and I wish I could in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think uh, there's upsides to not. Um, yeah, avoid the bad, stay with the good. Uh, it's time for you to recommend your three people. Okay, I've got my daughter, Price. She's lived as of heavy a life, not heavy, I don't want to use the word heavy, uh, varied, just full life as I have, but packed into 22 years. So I can't wait to see what happens for the, the next 22 for her. Where's she at these days? Now she's in Salt Lake City. Okay. So I had my existential crisis at the end of last year and thought, if I get the job at GCU, I'm staying. Hey, what do you know? Here I am. If not, I'm going to become a Mormon. I didn't know what I was going to do. It was like, you know, just what do I do? Yeah, it's funny to be at 52 years old and have your 22-year-old ask, what do you want to do with your life? Like, I don't know. Yeah. But, um, okay, second, I'm going to go with my colleague, Sarah. So there, she's my fellow development director here. Okay. She's a theater nerd. And uh, so it'd be interesting to see. I've already got her stammering, trying to figure out what to pick. Okay. And I'm like, it's, you just got to boil it down, man. If it's the same three songs. Got to go through the grind yeah, that exactly. we all go through to do it. Yep. A third. Have you done the show? I have. Okay. Never mind. I was episode 52, our one-year anniversary episode. Nice. Richard hosted it. He didn't know he was actually hosting it. He thought he was doing a test run, <laughs> and then I sprung it up. Nice. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that uh, Butch Big used to have Kurt Cobain just do a rehearsal for me. And he'd blow his throat up by the end, and he'd be like, I don't know if I could sing it. Like, those we, were the takes. We got that, thing. Yeah, those were the takes. <laughs> um, has Corey done it? Uh, no, he has not. Let's drag Corey in. Okay. So it's my daughter, my colleague, and our boss. All right. Any final thoughts for us? Tim Morrison. This was awesome. It's all I've ever wanted to do. Even before you made this up, I was like, there's something out there where I get to sit and talk about music. I'm the jerk at the party that goes, shh, shh quiet. Listen to this part. And then everyone turns around and keeps talking. But I'm the one that just geeks out on music. So this was awesome. Okay, one more time, Richard. You're in on this this time, too. Okay, ready? One, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) That was cool. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is host and online content producer. Our production assistant is Jared the Intern, Gonzalez. Christophus is our executive producer. And our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, we're handing it off to Tim. This is his self-written, performed, engineered, produced, promoted, laptop-created song, Wait, under the name Tim Morrison and The River Don't Rise. You've been down for so long But I know I find a way to Every cross and nest.
listening.